You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. So today I have Shelly Howard on the line. Now, Shelly is a certified independent college strategist and counselor. She helps middle and high school students and their parents um, by preparing them for the college admissions process, helping them create a standout strategy, get into their best fit college without going into debt, because that is important, and even how to succeed once admitted. So thank you so much, Shelly, for coming on the show today. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So I just wanted to just jump right in. So when it comes to college planning, what is the best strategy? Like, and I know that's a broad, <laughs> a broad question. Um, but, you know, I know in my situation, I went to community college first for two years and then I uh, transferred and then, you know, I went on that route. So what have you seen since you are very intimate in this space? What have you seen um, as the best strategy for people to go debt free? So the best strategy is plan early and mm. have a, and have a set plan. Most people go with the approach of, oh, we'll figure it out when they're a junior or we'll let them apply and see where they get in. And that's the number one way to get into debt. So the opposite is true. If you start planning when your child is uh, finishing eighth grade, they have so much more time to be the best they can be, to understand community service and leadership and extracurricular. But more importantly, the FAFSA looks at the second semester of the sophomore year and the first semester of the junior year. So all of those people who are waiting don't have a chance to fix their financial opportunity and therefore it, it takes away from the child's opportunity to get grants and scholarships. So by waiting, they actually are hurting their student with all of the opportunities. Oh, that's interesting to know. And I did, I had no idea. Um, and of course, nobody in my family had no idea because I know I didn't make a decision until what, 12th grade, mm -hmm. <laughs> I believe. Um, so you're saying we should start like the end of eighth grade and that's, the most beneficial. So what should we be doing at the end of eighth grade? So um, before eighth grade, I tell people have fun with it. Tell um, their children about some of their great memories of college. If they didn't go to college, um, I know both my parents didn't go. They would talk about they wished they could have experienced this and just kind of planted the little seeds. I started taking my children on college tours when they were in fifth and sixth grade because it doesn't cost anything, but it is like you, you, you put that little carrot out there. This is why you're working so hard. This is not four more years of high school. This is something so much better. And so it's just a conversation that you just start to have with them. So it's not a fearful, stressful thing. Then when they hit eighth grade, you start talking about their core values. Who are you? What are you an advocate for? What matters to you? And just really help them figure out who they are. It really doesn't come down to having to pick a college. It's helping them to figure out what am I going to major in? What are my gifts and my talents? What do I think I want to do? And help them to explore that. When they're in eighth grade, the first classes they take their freshman year are critical. 
if they get put on a path of the basic no challenge path, the chances of them going to a mid-tier or top-tier school is going to be very difficult. Mm. If they get put on a challenging path, they can always pull back, but they can't get themselves into trouble. So it's, it's a balance of wanting to make sure your child has all the opportunities. I call it being an advocate for your child because they don't know. Um, a perfect example of this, because people kind of get lost in what I'm talking about, is when students take a foreign language, say they take Spanish in seventh and eighth grade, many high schools will say to start in Spanish one. But if they've already taken two years in middle school, why would you start in Spanish one? So people just do what is recommended versus their intuition going, well, why would I start all over when I've already taken two years? That difference made the difference for my son between valedictorian and salutatorian, that one mm. class. So you can see that if you start early and it doesn't have to be intense, where do you want to go to call it? No, it's simply, how do we set you up to have opportunities that you might not have? And that happens mm -hmm. with your very first classes. And then the summer going into high school is the most underutilized time for a high schooler because they're really not doing much where they could be doing a lot of great community service and getting to know who they are by serving their community. So it's being of, you know, forward thinking versus just wait and see. And that's really how you get debt free. Gotcha. Well, that's a really good point. I know lately, because my son, my oldest son, he's in seventh grade right now, and he's currently taking an engineering class, which I was like, thank you for thinking outside the box, because I didn't have any input into like what classes he decided and things like that. So I was like, I'm glad that he did choose something that was kind of different. But he was like, I want to be an engineer. And I said, okay, well, that's cool. But I was like, what kind of engineer? Because there's multiple types. I said, there's mechanical mechanical, there's electrical, you know, all types of stuff. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. So then I told him, you know, go ahead and research, you know, the types of engineers there are. So that way you kind of know. But I say that to say um, to encourage your kids to pursue whatever, you know, they think that they're passionate in um, and take those classes like he's in seventh grade. So take them early. That's what I hear you say and take them early. So that way they can explore. They can see if it's good for them or not. Um, and then they can kind of research more into it if they feel like it's a good fit. That's absolutely correct because it doesn't hurt them to start to explore. I tell people if, if they think they wanted to go into something, take an online summer class. It doesn't take anything other than their time. But if it's something they want to do, like coding is a perfect example. Students will say, oh, I want to go in. I want to be a coder. And I'm like, so have you learned any coding? Well, no. Well, how do you know you want to be a coder? Well, I don't know. It just sounds cool. And I like computers. And so I take them to the next step. And I'm like, here's an opportunity where you can learn Python for free, truly online. It's just your time. Well, I didn't know it was there. That's very common. So students mm -hmm. just need to, to really think, what am I interested in and how may I pursue it? You know, kids who want to go into medicine, 
there's so many different things they can do by serving their community that will show they have empathy, that shows that they have the desire to help another human being. It doesn't have to be just in medicine. And to your point about engineering, I always ask my engineering students, why did you pick engineering? And they'll say, because I love building Legos. And that's so incredibly common. And so I ask them, so are you more interested in the theory of engineering or the mechanics of building engineering? Oh, building. But they'll tell me, but I want to go to a UC school. Well, UC school is a theory-based engineering education. So they haven't even truly understood that there's many different ways to be educated. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you just dropped the gym too, talking about the online courses, because I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, there's uh, websites like Coursera and things like that, where I didn't even think to put my seventh grader, you know, on so he can start getting his feet wet into these different topics that he's interested in. And so I think that's a gym in of itself. Um, but then also when you said, you know, different schools, teach, teach the same topics differently. And I think that's a key part too, that a lot of people don't realize they're just like, Oh, like for instance, here locally, um, North Carolina A&T is a big school and they do agricultural and technical and everything like that. So people are like, Oh, I'm gonna go there for agricultural, but not realizing, okay, they might get into like the really specific agricultural versus, you know, maybe another school that might teach the same major, but in a different way. So I think that's a really important thing that I didn't even think about when I was going to school um, is how these different schools are teaching the same subjects and what resonates more with you. So with along that line, how do you find schools that are a good match for your child or how do they find the school that's a good match for them? So again, it's a bit challenging trying to take it from a 17 year old's perspective if they've never been on a college tour, how can they possibly tell you what they're looking for? So the very first thing is take them on a tour of a big public school and a small private school. Take them, you know, um, to a school that offers a ton of things in their major and maybe a school that only offers one thing in their major they'll start to see academically, do I want to be the big fish in the small sea or do I want to be the small fish in the big sea? I remember when my son went to Harvard, he called home in the first semester and I was really worried because he was a good student, but that was like a whole nother level. And he called home and he's like, mom, I'm going to get my first B. And I'm like, and you're excited because, because the teacher said one out of 12 will get an A He goes, I don't want to work that hard. And I'm like, good for you. Good for you to figure that out. I'm okay with that. You're at Harvard. It's going to be okay. So that's what I tell students. I said, listen, until you go and explore what a college feels like for you and understand what is a good academic fit, then look at what's a good social fit. Do I want to be near the beach? Do I want to be near the farm? Do you know, are these kids in the cafeteria my people? And that's so important. And then the financial fit. And this is something I talk about with my students. Remember, a 17-year-old 
very rarely, not always, very rarely understands how much $250,000 in student loan debt is going to be. There's no concept for them of any kind of that money because we've never had that opportunity to show them. And so I, I let students understand, how long do you want to work for free? Well, I don't want to work for free. Well, how are you going to pay for it? Oh, my parents will pay for it. So how long do you want your parents to work for free? Well, I don't want my parents to work for free. There is no concept of what that feels like financially. And a lot of people assume that their local state school is going to be cheaper than a private school, but that's not always the case. In a lot of instances, both of my children went to private school and it was less expensive than the, the public school. And so it's counterintuitive. Most people will not even apply to private schools thinking it's so much more expensive, but they have much deeper pockets. And so if you're a really good student, they give really good grants. And therefore, you can go to school for a very reduced fee or even free. I have many of my students go for free. So a, an example is in 2021, last year during COVID, I had 61 seniors in our program. 61, that's it. They earned over $10.7 in scholarships. And that was all just picking the right colleges. Wow. That's how you do the best fit school, but you have to have all three. And unfortunately, high schools don't talk about the social and financial fit. If anything, you might get five or 10 minutes to talk about the academic fit. So we help them understand that it takes all three to really have a good fit for a family. Otherwise, they're going to go into debt for a degree that they might not even know is a good fit for them. Right. Now, first of all, that is phenomenal. So congratulations to all of your students in your program um, for finding those good fits and the scholarships and the grants and everything to go with that. So I want to get into how do you find the scholarships and stuff? Because I know when I was going to school, um, so my first trajectory was I, I wanted to be a chef. So I went, I uh, took culinary classes um, junior, senior year, and I got accepted into Johnson and Wales, which was my top school that I wanted to go to. And then um, we received how much it was going to be. And it was like sticker shock. But then also I found out that I was pregnant like a week later. So I had to kind of change that whole idea. But with that being said, I know at that time, my mom was like, I don't know how I'm going to afford even just getting your foot in the door. Um, so how and I didn't do anything with scholarships, because I had no idea, you know, they talk about it just a tad bit in school. Um, and so you know, you're googling real quick trying to find stuff. But when first, I guess my first question is, where do you find the scholarships? But then also, when should we start looking for scholarships? You should start looking for scholarships now. Whatever your student is mm. at, there are scholarships for. We um, have partners, uh, are partnered with a company called Imagine Scholarships. And it's imaginescholarships.com, I believe. They have scholarships for as young as middle school. I was on their website looking. I have a high school senior. She's my fourth. 
And I was looking through their website and I saw $10,000 scholarship if you are a vegetarian. I'm like, I will be now. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could lose a little meat. It's okay. <laughs> if I wasn't before, I sure will be now. And I was like, you know, people just don't know where to find the legit scholarships. And I do warn people. Because the sad thing is, if you do just, if your student just Google scholarships, there's a lot of not so ethical people out there where they get you to fill out an application and then they sell all your information and now they blow up your email inbox and you have a bunch of junk about mortgage rates and you know what I mean? So beware, beware families. I, I did this with my first child. He, you know, he got a full ride to Harvard. He actually had seven full ride offers. And it, it was an amazing experience, but like that wasn't enough. I wanted books too. And I said, okay, now apply to all these scholarships. He applied to 33 of these little private scholarships and he earned $300. I had to close my email because it was so out of control. So just if there's no essay attached, do not apply. Okay. Because it's a bait and a switch. If you're not willing to do the essay, they're just trying to snag your information. So be very careful, parents, especially. Kids don't realize, yes, my parents own a home. Yes, my parents own two cars. Yes, my and all of a sudden, they're going ching, 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 ching. Yeah, I want to talk to your parent. They can buy a new timeshare, you know, a new yacht, whatever. So really, to answer your question, now is the best time. But be very careful. Seek um, information of those who've had success. So our students in our program who've had massive success, we're going to refer the next year, the next generation, to the same scholarships we've had success in. It makes total sense. We've already vetted them. We know that they have real money to give. And if, if they're offering anything under $1,000, do not waste your time. You can go and get a minimum wage job and spend less time earning that money than if you were at home filling out a zillion scholarships and you get work experience. So really your time is valuable. Don't think for a moment that it's free money. You're going to have to work for it. And the other thing is the best way to get scholarships is through community service. Why community service teaches you, do I like elderly? Do I like babies? Do I want to work in an office? Do I want to work in a laboratory? Do I want to, you know, wash dogs? All of a sudden, you are really starting to figure out who you are and why it matters. And guess what? That's exactly what scholarships want to know. So that's the magic to it. We do it for our students. We seek that out for them. And the best scholarships come from picking the right universities for the student, which is really hard for a family because they don't know. And so it is a bit frustrating because they're like, how do I even start? Well, I've been doing this 13 years and I know this, the scholarships my students have been successful at and the ones that have not been good. And therefore, we're going to keep chasing those ones that give us the big money. I had a student last year who a, got a full ride to Vanderbilt. And I mean, it's an amazing school and an amazing program. But 
It was all based on her community service. She did a service project over COVID that was amazing. It went international. So it's not just sign up and show up and expect big money. It's go do big things and get big money. Mm, that's a really good point. And that's something because I teach at the university level now and I tell my students, I'm like, make sure you volunteer, make sure you volunteer, make sure you volunteer. And also um, don't just go after the paid internships. You know, sometimes the unpaid internships could be way more helpful um, than the paid one. So it just depends on what you're trying to do. So thank you so much, Shelly. I have one more question because I'm, I'm interested in this program that you keep talking about. So um, what ages do you take in your college ready so program? We, we have student or parents contact us when I've had one while she conceived and she's like, okay, I want to start planning. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But um, in all honesty, some people just want guidance on what's a good preschool. Some people want guidance on, you know, should I put them in a boarding school or should I put them in a private or a public? So I'll have those conversations just because I know as a parent, those are hard. But we truly don't start the program until a student finishes or is in the process of finishing eighth grade. Because colleges start to look at a student the day they promote from eighth grade. So we want them to hit the ground running and get a jump start on picking the right classes, a jump start on how to spend their first summer. All of that is important. So that's as soon as we start and our program goes until they leave for college. So that means they could be with us for four years, not making one mistake, which is truly such a gift and such a blessing because they don't have to wonder, am I doing it right? It's a simple, you know, email call, text or Zoom call that I know that I'm doing it right. So that peace of mind for that child is huge to know they have their own private mentor just a phone call away. So we we do start them as early as eighth grade or when they. That is Yes, that is awesome. Well, I will definitely be hitting you up next year. <laughs> but if people were interested in, interested in finding out more about your program, more about you, how the would they find you? The best place to reach us is probably our website. And that's www.collegeReadyPlan.com. That has everything, every which way you can get a hold of us. I am on LinkedIn as Shelly Howard. And I'm on every social media channel as College Ready. So we are here to serve. We are here to help. We give away a ton of free information. Probably if somebody is really curious but don't want to raise their hand to commit, we have um, a Facebook group called College Ready Debt Free. And in there, I give a ton of free information to parents who are just starting to think about and wonder what is the best path for my child. And it's very incognito, so nobody is going to be chasing you down. Um, and we're really here to serve. And then as far as your listeners, I'd like to offer a free discovery call where I'm happy to hop on a phone call, a Zoom call, and answer their specific questions. Um, the other option is my book. I have a best-selling book, and it's How to Send Your Student to College Without Losing Your Mind or Your Money. And if you would like a free copy, your listeners can go to book, B-O-O-K dot collegereadyplan.com.
Awesome. Awesome. Well, if you all are driving, working on something else, don't worry. If you didn't catch all of that, it will be in the show notes. I promise you. Thank you so much, Shelly, for all of that wonderful information. And please, y'all, get your kids ready for college now, whatever age they are. Like, I'm all, I'm already thinking about my seven-year-old now. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what can I do now? So um, I truly appreciate um, all of your knowledge and all the information that you shared with us. And thank you it's so much for coming pleasure. on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening, joining, and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.